0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: Welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. Richard Porritt, as we'll hear from him later on, he is in Torquay. He's at the UKIP conference in Torquay. The what conference? The UKIP Conference. Are they still going? In Torquay.
3: To, yes. Is this the are. one where they're going to elect elect that sort of yes. very Anne
4: Marie odd, Waters yeah. with her strangely yeah. Larian hair. Now easy, easy. Um yeah, but she does look like the uh the Fuhrer. She does, a little bit, yeah. yeah. No other in no other way. No, no. No. Of That's purely not.
3: coincidental. It is. Cosmetic.
4: The other Dulcet tones you can hear are those of the new European editor Matt Kelly. Hello, hello. Later on, we'll be hearing from Richard uh, on the beaches, fighting them on the beaches of Torquay, uh, and we'll be hearing from Jerry Scott too. Uh, let's just go over the week's news in Brexit, and let's let's start with a bit of self-referential stuff. Nick Robinson, yes, the fine, unbiased BBC reporter, my
3: neighbour in Islington,
4: and your close neighbour yeah. in Islington, yeah. It's going to be awkward, isn't it? Former Macclesfield young Conservative. Yeah. I think we should mention
3: that. Yeah. But he's wasn't, wasn't he head of the Conservatives I think at he, Oxford? I think he was. Or something. But he's I, Anyway, look, I must check that out, because I don't want to introduce fake news look, into the conversation, exactly. unlike
4: Nick Robinson. Unlike Nick Robinson, who has published an article in The Guardian, uh, and it says, I'm, I'm quoting Nick here, it says, those who see themselves as fighting the establishment... Uh, have not just complained about the MSN, they, the MSM, they've established their own alternative media sites Wings Over Scotland, West Monster, The Canary, The Squawk Box, uh, and in the case of pro EU supporters, a new newspaper, The New European. That's us, whoa. Uh, he goes on to say their most shared and liked stories are attacks on the MSM and the BBC in particular. They share a certainty that we reporters and presenters. Are at best craven or at worst nakedly biased.
3: Why is this wrong? Well, it's just bollocks. I mean, we've done, I think you've tweeted it out, we've uploaded more than two and a half thousand stories onto the new European website since we yep. started going. And there's one, one story about the BBC being biased. Potentially biased. Potentially biased. And uh, uh, it, it was, what was it, 160th most yep. read or something? So it's not like we're setting the world alight on. On BBC bias stories, and I find it—I think you also said—and I, I find it offensive for to get lumped in with 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 trash like West Monster, frankly, mm. uh, and and the Canary, which I, you know, they are what they are, um, and it's clear what they are, but it's also clear that the New European something very different, and so you know, I I said to Nick on Twitter, you obviously don't read the paper, and he responded very sort of reasonably, said, uh, well, I do, and I think some of it's really excellent, but I'm just making the point that the BBC comes under attack from all quarters. So, But we don't. We don't spend yeah. our days attacking the BBC. The Daily Mail, however, different story. But to move the conversation on there, where was Nick Robinson's complaint about the massive partisanship of the, every single newspaper in the UK, apart from the Eye? You know, that's the whole point of UK newspapers, is they are nakedly partisan. Yeah. You, you, exactly. you, one of the problems that I've got with uh, with media these days is where uh, a message is sort of inveigled into a newspaper as though it was mainstream thought, right? And I think the Daily Mail do an awful lot of that, and I think others do an awful lot of that, and their readers just sort of think this is what the country's thinking yes. when it's just not true. It's what Paul Dacre's thinking, right? Yes. So I've got a problem with with kind of covert. Partisanship, but there's very little covert partisanship going on in the new european we are very clear about what we stand for all of our audience buy into that and uh and also the idea that we are just the idea that as as, as nick tried to portray us i think as some sort of single issue constant Newspaper. I know we joke about boring people week in week out about Brexit, but it's a joke. You know, mm. there's so much more in the paper that it does us a disservice. And one of the things that I'm very keen to do, and there's an article on the Drum um, website this week, which is a trade trade website. It's about one of the problems we've had with the New European is very little advertising yes. because the perception is that we are this single issue, monotonous, you know, vociferous, uh, one sided. Product and of course, as readers of the New European, and hopefully all the guys listening to this are, are readers, uh, we're much more than that. So that's why I get prickly and defensive when people start uh, throwing mud about with this, without any due course. So. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. You're wrong.
4: Well, I, I mean, I would say I, I don't like to defend the Canary and West Monster and the other sites that Nick uh, that Nick Robinson is, is citing, but but to, to portray them as a single-issue attacking the BBC machine is, well, all, is buts also buts completely well. yeah, incorrect. Yeah. I mean, I don't
3: uh, I don't like either of those sites. No, no, I don't think um, I don't, Mainly because, in truth, I don't think either of them are that good, uh, journalistically. That's my problem with it. The, the attack that the Canary did on Laura Koonsberg...
4: Which we're going yes. to come on to later with, okay. with Jerry Scott, I mean, is just absolute
3: yeah. disgrace. And the fact that that site's sort of founded and edited by a woman and they, they're doing such misogynistic, nasty stuff like that, they should be ashamed of themselves. West Monster, they, you know, Christ, they are ashamed of themselves, but they, they've found a way of coping with it. So that's... that's um, uh, sort of uh, another story altogether but he's Nick can't be beating us up and in the same breath be reading out the headlines from the Daily Mail every single day on the Today programme and allowing that to set the agenda yes you challenge. Know? and then don't talk to us about parties and the, the Daily Mail's been doing it for the last 25 years mate of course and 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 Nick I'm afraid to tell you this and I'll tell you face to face when we bump into each other in the fromagerie and you're part of the problem if you keep reading those bloody news headlines out without any kind of sense that this is deeply biased, agenda-driven journalism.
4: Good. I think we've put that one to bed.
3: Um, uh, is the BBC biased? I don't think it's particularly biased. I think the the, the fact that everybody thinks they're biased is evidence that they are, they're obviously <laughs> doing something right. I, mean, <laughs> I remember when you were on... Well, I used to work on the sports desk at the Liverpool Echo, and... Liverpool fans thought it was an Everton paper and Everton fans thought it was a Liverpool paper and Shamir fans thought it was just rubbish. So, every, you know, that's, you can get that sort of negative balance right, I think. Good.
4: Two big speeches since our last uh, New European podcast. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn's conference speech. Uh, which has been well received. I think the Guardian said it was the his best one yet. It yeah. wasn't very well received by me. I didn't think I it was very he good went at on all. A
3: bit, you know, and it was a bit rambly.
4: And, and also, um, well, the I mean, as listeners of podcast will know rambling on for a great length is is not something that um, uh, not something that we're necessarily against. Theresa May in Florence uh, was the yeah. other one, which was less well received. Yeah. Um, although you know today, Michelle Barnier appears to have said, "Well, it's kicked things on a little bit, and they've had a better weeks negotiation yeah. Yeah. since." So Corbyn first, yes, more heartened, less heartened after hearing that.
3: Well, there's certainly so on the on the Brexit topic, there's certainly ambiguity creeping in, deliberate ambiguity. Yes. You have got Sadiq Khan coming out saying there should be a second referendum. John McDonnell not ruling it out completely. Uh, even Jeremy Corbyn saying, if I recall right, you know, Sadiq's exploring all of the options That's as right. he should He's Thinking
4: do. through all so, scenarios. Exactly.
3: So, you know, it's still on the table. That's the point. Yeah.
4: Andrew Gwynn, who yeah. is a Corbyn Easter-run-the-election yeah. campaign, also yeah. not ruling it out. It's so. still on the
3: table. And we've said this from the start. If you look at this topic and you look at the narrative arc of Brexit and the trajectory it's taking as a story... It is it's it is moving towards a position where in 18 months' time, there's going to be room for people to say, do you know what, folks, we really should yeah. reconsider this. Matthew Paris wrote a really good piece in The <coughs> Spectator. don't like to point too much <laughs> attention their way, but he wrote a very good piece in The Spectator saying, you know, levers should smell a rat, because this two-year transition zone, it gives you enough space to, in two years' time, if things... Deteriorate as we've suggested they may do all along. If they do, there's enough space there for people to put that back on the table and say, "Look, Britain, do you really want to yeah. to, to go through with this now?" So everybody is split down the middle on on how you see that as a scenario. I think that's eminently sensible. You know, let's wait and see. Uh, if you get a chance to back out of a terrible situation, fantastic. Other people say, "No, we've had the vote. That was that. We've got to push through with it. Whatever." And this now is the big lie, I think, uh, that they've moved moved the goalpost, you know, from this is what Britain wants to this is what Britain wanted. And it's now our duty to make sure Britain gets it. So there's your semantic point of difference. I'm saying it was what Britain wanted. Now, maybe not so much. If it's not so much now, what's stopping us from saying, should we not have a period of reflection? That just yeah. seems sensible to me.
4: It does seem sensible. Look, I think we, I think we both would have loved it if Jeremy Corbyn had, had got up there and said, "Actually, I've been thinking about this, and we are going yeah. to, and we are, we are going to back a second referendum." It was yeah. for, for all the reasons that you've said. It's, I don't think that's the, I don't, it's not the right thing for him to do right now.
3: Yeah. Well, most um, interestingly on that, I think you know we've got to be clear about why Jeremy Corbyn doesn't like the EU, yes. and he doesn't like them for very valid reasons. Like he thinks it's going to get in the way of his. Program of domestic socialism, you know, re-nationalisation, privatisation, and all of these state-controlled things that he wants to to bring in. Fair enough. We've got a great piece in this week's uh, New European uh, where Alistair Campbell has been in touch with somebody uh, who is I know who he is. He doesn't want to be named, but a very well aware legal uh, European expert going through each issue, issue by issue, saying there's no incompatibility. No. You know, all the stuff you want to do, Jeremy, you can do it in the EU. And in fact, if you look at state regu- regulation of big service providers, look, Europe is littered full yes. of them. So there's no, there are no issues. So I think, um, you know, if we can keep the conversation... Uh, constructive and fact based around this is what you want to achieve, Jeremy Corbyn and all the people who love you what's to stop you doing that within the EU then again there's a chance to say, well you know what we can have our cake and eat it and having our cake means staying in the mm. EU and we can be a more progressive left wing means wherever we are on that on that spectrum uh, uh country so
4: yeah i I'm encouraged you know yeah, i'm I'm encouraged I would be disappointed if that was the speech that you made to conference next year hmm. and the year after. Yeah, he needs um, a good sub.
3: I mean, there's no oh, doubt about that. And he, I mean, he he
4: he really does not use the auto cue very well. He no. was. I mean, he was visibly reading, yeah. turning his head, reading. It's a shame, it's really, because, because his natural, that's his magic. Exactly, you know. that's his thing. That's yeah. his
3: magic. I've, I've said this story before, but he turned up on my doorstep before the election yes. on his own, right? Had he been around to, to Nick Robinson's? He might well have been <laughs> But he turned up on his own and chatted. It was like a Saturday. It was the day Arsenal were playing Man United, I think. And it we chatted for about 20 minutes about all sorts of stuff. And that's when I got what Corbyn was mm. about. And I thought, that is so smart. At the same time, Theresa May was somewhere with a huge camera crew and a bus and yeah. thousands of adoring, badge-wearing nutters. Corbyn was there on a doorstep talking through the the issues that we felt were important he didn't know who I was and blah 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 if he loses that he, if he loses that real authenticity and the tie gets a bit more tightened yes. and the auto-cue gets a bit more polished and the speeches just become a little bit more written hmm. uh, then he's going to lose touch with all of the people that that think he's he's got a touch of magic about him but you know the thing about any speech, whether you're a politician or not, is you get there and you've got the audience's attention. So it's yours to lose. If you stand there for an hour and ten minutes, rabbiting on about r- seemingly random topics, you are in danger of losing their attention. Yeah. So just a it was a, it
4: was very overlong, but constructive. Hmm. Theresa May's speech in Florence. Can also be seen as being constructive. I mean, she seemed to signal that No Deal walking away is now that is not off the that's off the table. Yeah. It, it seemed to me.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, she but did say she- one really annoying thing though, didn't she? Just which the wolf- was the line about. The United Kingdom has never Uh, felt, totally felt at home in the European Union. Because of our history and geography, the European Union never felt to us like an integral part of our national story.
3: I I just think it's absolutely moronic, you know, and it just defies any observation of history. You know, we felt that we were so intrinsically attached to the European values that we have gone to war, you know, to to pull them out of it. And, you know, we. you look back at... Uh, Churchill and Thatcher and success and Tony Blair, you know, successive governments who felt that Europe is at the heart of our, our destiny. And what's the alternative? You know, are we then, in her view, just this poxy little isolated island on the edge of Europe, yeah. maybe shaking hands with, with people who, who couldn't even sort out a Bombardier Wings deal for us when we <laughs> needed them to? Or... You know, are we part of this bigger, more meaningful place in, in history? Yeah. And, you know, and my kids study, you study history at school, you see England, Britain as absolutely intertwined with uh, with Europe. James O'Brien, the brilliant uh, LBC, um, whatever you call them, shock jock or commentator, yes. said uh, that taking Britain out of Europe would be like trying to take the eggs out of a baked cake. You know, it's going to be as easy as that, and I just thought that is how intertwined we are in the European Union, and it is massively, massively difficult. It to to, to say to people Britain doesn't feel European, I think it's just really insulting. You know, yes, myself,
4: so do I, and I just think it is. Well, I think what she said. Basically said, I am not interested in winning the votes of anybody under thirty years old.
3: But she because keeps going off. She keeps going off to talk to to Surrey, you know, or to Kent. Yeah, at uh, this point, has been beaten to death. But why go all the way to Florence to talk to to the UK? She hasn't talked to Europe yet, you know, except to in, vaguely insult them. You know, yes, it's like saying, you know. I know we've been coming over to your house for dinner every weekend for the last 20 Didn't years, really but like we never really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> we never really felt comfortable here. Yes. You know, your sofa's a bit smelly, and we don't like the way you cook. So, Barnier talking today uh, at
4: his weekly um, his weekly two-hander with, uh, with David Davis when the negotiations are on. He said, I hope the new dynamic created by May's speech in Florence will continue to inform our work. Uh, we've had a constructive week. Obviously, David Davis came out and said, um, he came out like Scrappy, do basically going. This is what a brilliant week! Massive step it's, forward. It's all a massive step forward. Yeah. And then Barney are just pissed on his chips. As he, he just reminds does. me of
3: Wily e. Coyote in The Roadrunner. <laughs> that guy. you know, it's like he's like the guy who's run over the cliff edge, but he still doesn't yeah. realise he's and his legs are still going. Massive leap forward, brilliant, is, brilliant. Yeah. And Barnier is shaking his head on the cliffside, painting his free bird seed <laughs>
2: sorry
3: <laughs> Acme Brexit. <laughs>
4: Uh, now, have you seen? Well, let's let's put it another way. What is your favourite opening line of any song? Um, While you think about it, yeah. I mean, there is. So there's. I got there's, it. I know. You know I, it. it. Okay.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's everybody's really, if they're being honest. It's yeah. You could hear the hoofbeats pound as they raced across the ground.
4: <laughs> Which is Ernie. Yeah. Of course. The fastest, the fastest milkman in the, the, the world. I mean, the West. if there's
3: a better first line ever written, I'd like to hear it. So
4: kinky afro by the Happy Mondays. Do you remember this song? Go it on, opens with go? the line, "Son, I'm thirty. I only went with your mother because she's dirty," which it's... is which is why Tony Wilson compared Sean once compared Sean Ryder to W. B. Yeats. I think. <laughs> uh, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. is uh, obviously one. But does it compare to? We didn't need the old common market. Britain was our name. What is that? That is the this uh, a pensioner, yeah. Uh, a pensioner called Peter Parsons, yeah, has racked up twenty thousand YouTube views. I've missed uh, this. And it's a song called uh, Brexit, oh Brexit. I think that, uh, yeah. he's in favour of Brexit. We're going to listen to a little bit of it now.
3: Okay.
2: Market Britain was their name. Who put us in this mess? Whatever was the game? We're a nation of believers. We are very strong. If we could turn the hands of time, play you all this song. Sing it. Brexit, all Brexit, we're leaving the European city.
3: What did you think of that? Well, it's um, not—he's not got much sense of 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 poetry. He's not. No. He reminds me of John Toshak. Actually, do you remember the Liverpool and Welsh? I do remember this. What was it
4: called? Gosh, it's Tosh. Gosh, it's Tosh. He wrote a book book of
3: poems, and the best couplet was when they'd just come back from playing a Champions League game, and the last two lines of this poem was just, just. just flown in from Barcelona. Now I'm going for a sauna.
4: <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's amazing, isn't it? That poem is. I was reminded of that poem when when obviously when Lewis Hamilton published his his yes. sad ode to, to Princess Diana the other week, and obviously the um, the one the one after um, Bobby Robson died and Paul Gascoigne wrote that that and it started when I was ten. I met a man called. Bobby, it was in Ipswich in a lobby. (laughs) So, Peter Parsons, I mean, the chorus is amazing. Brexit, oh Brexit, we're leaving the European single market. And then the rapping bit, uh, what do we want? A great deal from Michel Barnier. What do we want? A great deal from David Davis. What don't we want? A load of junk from Junker. It It is just superb. Yes. Is it worse than the UK the UKIP Calypso by Mike Reed?
3: I've never heard that one either. Okay. We're
4: going to play a little snippet of that for you now. Taxpayers money, where does it go? Not even George Osborne knows When we're in power and we engage There'd be no tax on the minimum wage Leaders committed a cardinal sin Open the borders, let them all come in Illegal immigrants in every town Stand up and be counted Blair and Brown Oh yes, when we take charge And the new prime minister is barrage We can't trade with the world again When Nigel is at number 10 Well, they're in the same league, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I would say about... Peter Parsons has not affected a West Indian accent. (laughs) I would say that is the one thing in his favour. But, yet again, he's not written a couplet as good as Mike Reads. Douglas Carswell, we're adamant, will be our first MP in Parliament. (laughs) (laughs) Superb. Incredible. Thank you to Matt Kelly. We will be back with Richard Porritt.
1: Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European.
0: One extraordinary few days in Brighton, from the sidelining of Brexit at the start of the week to ongoing rise about anti-Semitism, female journalists having to employ bodyguards. Um, uh, This was a a gathering like no gathering the Labour Party have had for a very long time, if ever, frankly. The love and complete confidence, the faithful place in Jeremy Corbyn, really is something to behold. He's treated like a rock and roll star wherever he goes. People wait for hours outside events he's attending. They hang on his every word. Um, it, it does feel like Labour is no longer the party it was. It's actually now um, Jeremy's vehicle. He's the party. His fans chant his name. They, they bought these scarves to wave in the conference hall that have his name on. They've all got T-shirts with his face emblazoned across the front. It, it's akin to the type of um, devotion Teenage girls offer boy bands, frankly.
2: Richard Porritt there. Will he
0: survive
4: Torquay and Manchester? We will will find out next week when he returns a broken man to uh, new European towers. Now, the Brexiteer of the Week talking of broken men. Let's start with... Theresa May. Uh, Let's go back to her speech in Florence, which included the line I want to repeat to the 600,000 Italians in the UK, we want you to stay. A great line, that. The actual number of Italian nationals living in the UK in 2016, according to official statistics published by Theresa May's government only in August is 233,000. So that is a big 350,000 plus out. And after the foreign student overstayers, it's just another example of fantasy migrant numbers from Theresa May. I can't believe I can't begin to imagine why she would have said that. Uh, next is Grant Shapps, he's the former Tory chairman. You wouldn't have thought it could his reputation could get any lower than it was during the bullying scandal which forced him to resign in 2015 um, although I was quite amused when just after the, the referendum Grant Shapps, you might remember, supported Remain during the campaign directly afterwards he wrote a piece uh, which said he was now a Brexiteer uh, bending like a reed in the wind there, Grant Shapps, he wrote, I have embraced the new direction of the country. I am backing Brexit all the way, as hard as you like. Uh, I mean, quite remarkable. Anyway, you thought the resignation was bad. You thought him coming out as a born-again Brexiteer was bad. No. The worst worse is to come... Courtesy of The Times, uh, which last week told us that Grant Shapps is a master of karaoke during Conservative conferences. What does he like? He is outstanding at gangster rap, uh, according to The Times, and he can also sing a full rendition of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Maybe that is something that Richard Porritt has got to look forward to at close quarters. Brexiteer of the week, though, is Andrew Bridgen. He's the hardline Tory MP for North West Leicestershire, which, who never stops telling us what a wonderful thing Brexit is and how uh, it's all being ruined by um, people trying to negotiate without jumping off a cliff edge. Uh, he said last month, he wrote an article in his local paper, the Leicester Mercury, a fine newspaper, that the media is failing to report Brexit properly. Now, happily, what the media is reporting properly uh, are Andrew Bridgen's gripes about the cost of the wreaths that he has to buy every Remembrance Sunday. He is at the moment fighting a court case. He's trying to get a court to overturn the maintenance payments he pays to the mother of his two children. He pays uh, her £1,100 every month. He wrote to the court, it is now de rigueur that MPs can't put in claims for wreaths. £175 on wreaths it will cost me, that's £200 including uh, travel, just to be the MP of North West Leicestershire on Remembrance Sunday. There are huge costs to being an MP which can never be claimed for, so that's Andrew Bridgen who thinks Brexit is a great idea, moaning about paying £175 uh, in wreaths, uh, with an extra twenty-five pounds in travel, mind you, uh, to remember the the war dead of uh, his constituency. I will just remind you now that Andrew Bridgen, as an MP, earns seventy-five thousand pounds a year, plus his housing allowance, plus his travel expenses. Seventy-five thousand pounds a year, and he is moaning about a two hundred pound bill for wreaths. And travel on Remembrance Sunday. These are the kind of people we're dealing with, folks. Andrew Bridgen is the Brexiteer of the week. And finally, today I am joined by Jerry Scott. Hello. Uh, at the top of the podcast, we talked about the new European being roped in uh, with the Canary by Nick Robinson. Uh, Jerry, you're annoyed about this for one particular reason, aren't you? And yeah. I think Matt touched on it earlier on.
1: Yeah, I am, and yeah, um, Matt did touch on it earlier on, and it's this whole debacle about Laura Koonsberg. Um Look, Laura's got—I talk as if I know her personally. Obviously, yeah, I don't. My mate. <laughs> Laura's got um, a lot of flack over the last. Oh, how long has it been? Yeah, a couple of years now. Um, from both sides for her coverage. Um, but this this story on the Canary on Wednesday which had the headline we need to talk about Laura Koonsberg she's listed as a speaker at the Tory party conference was particularly nasty and look it's the latest in line of text of her. I'm a woman I'm a journalist and I'm not about to stand on a soapbox and lecture the good listeners of this podcast because I oh, go on. oh well <laughs> maybe later maybe later but I just think this is all getting a bit much. The canary story was inaccurate. Um, Laura Kinsberg, she wasn't listed as a speaker, she was listed as an invited speaker to a fringe event. That's yeah. a very big difference. It is, yeah. Um, and it later transpired she declined. Yeah, they've since updated their story to add the invited into the headline. And, and they've said the BBC didn't say that she'd declined the invite until after the story was published, but the damage is done. It's too late. I don't know if you follow Jim Watterson on Twitter. I do. Yeah, um, from excellent. BuzzFeed. He is excellent. I really enjoy his tweets. And he tweeted to say he'd called the organisers of this fringe event to check whether Laura Kingsberg was speaking, and she confirmed they wasn't. And his In his tweet, he said it took two minutes. And so to say that the BBC aren't responding, to me, as a journalist, isn't good enough.
2: No.
1: I don't think it is. And, you know, this is... I completely agree with... um it was a really good opinion piece yesterday by Helen Lewis in the New yes, Statesman. Yeah, That's true. And she said that the Canary's running a sexist hate campaign against Laura Koonsberg for clicks. And I completely agree. I completely agree. Steve Topple, who wrote the Canary story, he didn't care about the facts. I really don't think he did. And the old saying goes, why let the facts get in the way of, of a good story? But... I write stories every day, and regularly the facts do get in the way of a good story. I've had to chuck many a story in the bin because I've gone to check, and actually it's not been the way that it appeared. Yeah. And that's the responsible thing to do.
4: It's just just untrue, isn't it?
1: It's just untrue. But you know what, Steve, this is really the tip of the iceberg. Yes. For women in journalism, for women on the internet, you know, obviously, like I say, I'm a bit of a nobody compared to Laura Koonsberg, but... Excuse my language, but I've been called a bitch. I've been called a slut on the internet. I've been told that I should be raped, and people know where I live for having an opinion and for being a journalist.
4: It just is revolting and crazy. Isn't and that's
1: it? and that's the truth. And you don't see these attacks on Nick Robinson, Andrew Neil, in the same level of
4: no. you
1: know complete nastiness and the vitriol that comes out of people's anonymous. Faces or not faces on the internet and it's because it is because she's a woman.
4: Yes, I, I I I can I can only agree, and um, I can only agree. And you know, I thought it was it was quite a a uh, it was quite a, a good moment in a I thought you know a fairly mediocre speech by by Corbyn when he um, when he mentioned uh, Diane Abbott and people stood up and uh, yeah. Diane Abbott stood up rather, and she got standing ovation,
1: which is completely right as well. Yeah, you know, with Diane Abbott, there was a study that said she was. She was subject to half of a sample of 25,000 abusive tweets sent to female MPs during the campaign. Yeah. She she got it in the neck as well. But I think the Canary, in this attack on Laura Koonsberg, is doing exactly what it accuses the mainstream media of doing, um, of drumming up hate. And it it's just, it's just such a... It's a wider problem. And I know that we've got in the paper... Um, this week about the women in journalism study Yes
4: it's a fantastic piece
1: It is, I know a couple of the people who worked on it actually And they themselves couldn't believe The you know the results from it It kind of built on a study from um, 2012 Which revealed that 78% of uh, front page bylines Were written by men um, And you know it's even worse now in Across June and July this year um, Only 25% of uh, front page bylines were women
4: it's, it, it just seems remarkable, but you know, diversity in in newsrooms is is, is not what it is. It's not what it should be, no. and and um, you know, and and even at some of the places that you would expect to have. Some kind of, you know, well, I, 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 well, I don't want to go. I don't want to. Well, no, do not want, want to name names. I don't want to name names, but um, but yeah, but it, it's 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 not it's not great. The statistics are particularly damning. It is a great piece. Yeah, you
1: should definitely have a look at friend it. Of, a
4: friend of mine was involved in writing it, Katie Hyde mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's really uh, interesting. It's great. Um, interesting and terrifying. And yes. I just think this it needs to be addressed. I don't know what can be done. I really don't. But Maybe Twitter should concentrate on these kind of trolls rather than a twi- 280 character limit instead, but it's just too far.
4: I agree. I agree. It's shameful. Shall we talk about something that is more lighthearted? I yes. hope people. I hope we, we're not. This isn't. We, we're not. I'm not portraying this as an attack on <laughs> Theresa May, by the way. I
1: did get on my soapbox. I said I would, and good. I did. I loved it.
4: <laughs> Theresa May. Our beloved Prime Minister, the Maybot, is celebrating her birthday on the first day of the Conservative Party conference. And this week, we asked new European readers what presents they would like to give her. <laughs> a, a P45, I'm going to say, was a very <laughs> popular choice. Uh, you've got some from Facebook there, haven't you? Oh, no, oh, I'll do no, the, ones the ones from Facebook. you've uh, got the ones from Facebook. Mireille Digard. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. I am sure I have not pronounced it correctly. Said, surely no present is better than a bad present. That is funny. (laughs) Michael Turberville, a a package of extra sausages. That is the German term, which I didn't know this. That is the German term for all the special opt-outs the UK once had as part of the EU. Extra sausages is what the Germans (laughs) called it. David Gar pitt a glow, uh, red, white, and blue wrapping paper containing nothing more than hot air. <laughs> Alexander Watson, some new walking shoes in the hope that she gets yet more inspiration when she goes away next. June Kotler-Over, a huge box... That Boris Johnson jumps out of dressed in a big adult nappy singing the Brexit song. Have you heard the Brexit song? I
1: haven't heard the Brexit song. Oh,
4: it's on this podcast. Ooh, when, you, when we listen, listen back to this, it is particularly brutal. Ken Broughton says a transfer to a retirement home, preferably in the EU, which never felt quite like part of her nationalist history. <laughs> Little callback to something we did earlier on there. Annie Garcia, chlorinated chicken. Vivian Wells, an iPhone so she can try asking Siri what Brexit means. And David Berman says a boa, not a feather boa, a boa constrictor.
1: (laughs) And on Twitter, Jerry. Yeah, there are some good ones on uh, Twitter too. Um, Politico, ooh, I think that's Phil F., um, says a leopard with two shoe shapes missing from its skin. <laughs> <laughs> um Hobby241Me says no present, but I'd stretch to an enjoy your retirement card. <laughs> yes, we've had a
4: few of similar things, yeah.
1: Um Eileen M. Kaminsky says a nice selection of longer jackets and she then realised that the shorter ones she now favours make it look like she's wearing a nappy.
2: <laughs> Is that a thing? I'd, well
1: I'd... you've got a dress for your for your body shape, Steve. Um, John Pitchford says being polite he can't really say but if she used it as putty all her windows would fall out. <laughs> um, Leah James Ward um said Boris's head on a platter and David Cameron's is not invited for reasons of decency.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Mark J. Bunting <laughs> said a map of Europe so she can mark all the places she's given pointless speeches. <laughs> and finally, Colin Clayton says a sword with instructions on how to fall on it successfully.
4: Oh, Teresa. <laughs> well, listen, we hope she has a happy birthday. Yes, happy we birthday. hope all of you have a, a happy week. Please like us. Uh, please um, send in beautiful reviews of us uh, uh, if you're on iOS or on o- Audio Boom. Uh, Richard Porritt, I believe, will return, uh, hopefully, he will return from the UKIP and the Conservative Conference next week, uh, and we will play you out with the Brexit song.
2: in this mess, whatever was a game. We're a nation of believers, we are very strong. If we could turn the hands of tight, play you all this song. Sing it! Brexit, oh Brexit, we're leaving the European single market. Brexit, oh Brexit, we're on our own, we're on our own. We're going round in circles, we don't know where to go. But we don't need nobody else to trade around the world A stronger nation, we fight for what is right If we can stick together, it will be alright Sing Brexit, oh Brexit We're leaving the European single market Brexit, oh Brexit We're on the do we want a great deal from mishra barnia what do we need a great deal from david davis what do we want no junker from junker because we're leaving Cause we're leaving sing it And we'll be strong. We didn't need no common market, Britain was their name. Who put us in this mess, whatever was their game. We're a nation of believers, we are very strong. If we could turn the hands of time, play you all this song.